Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thank you so much for being here for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Today, I've got an incredible interview coming at you from Alvin Law. Now, Alvin was born without arms. He's going to tell you how and why. He's going to tell you about his perspective, how he lives, and how he lives a very normal lifestyle. He has a child. He has a wife. He has family pets. And he even drives himself. I actually saw him picking up his keys with his toes in the parking lot uh, the first time we actually didn't know each other. But anyways, we're, I'm going to share that story with you as well. So just before we jump into the show, a quick word from our sponsor, MAK Mystic Expressions. <laughs> now, I have to laugh here because MAK Mystic Expressions are now carrying a couple more products, <laughs> which means I have more salt lamps in my house. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> so I just got one of those USB salt lamps that plugs into your computer. I just got this new desk and a cool setup and I plug, I plug in this USB and it, and it lights up the room. Well, it's not too bright, but it lights up the room if the lights are out and it changes colors. So cool. But AK Mystic Expressions has all kinds of different products. They have these salt lamps that they talk about. I actually use the salt, the neti pot salt they have, fine grind in my neti pot every morning and a number of other salt grinders, salt cutting boards. Check out makmystics.com for more information. So much to take away from this interview. Alvin's a speaker and he's a writer and I'm sure you're going to love this interview. He's got so much to share and his perspective and story is incredible. So sit right there and enjoy. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Alvin Law in the introduction. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Alvin. Hey, thanks, man. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Well, I'm going to be real honest. I'm sitting in the living room of our cottage in rural Saskatchewan in a place that I spent my summers growing up at, and uh, it is uh, hard not to have a feeling of, boy, am I ever a lucky guy to see the lake in front of us, and a little smoky today again, but other than that, you know, we're out in paradise for a little while here, and my wife and I, and uh, I'm awesome, man. That's fantastic. It's nice to have you on as a, as a Canadian speaker and presenter for us. Oh, it's a, it's a great pleasure, and I actually, Drew, to, uh, not to boast about this, but uh, I've taken my message from little small town Saskatchewan actually all around the world myself. I do a lot of traveling outside of North America as well, but I concentrate most of my work in North America. I do work a lot in the States as well. So, you know, people are, let's start off with a real cheesy one. How about that? I think what I've noticed by traveling the world is we're all human beings and I try not to look at people's differences. I try to look at their similarities. We have so many things in common. So no matter what the discussion is today, it comes from a place of humanity more than anything. Evan, I want to hear your story. I want you to share it with us and <laughs> And um, a lot of people aren't, aren't really going to understand where you're coming from. I want you to reach reach out to them and let them know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm glad that we get straight to it. And it's always interesting when I'm doing a, a radio style of interview because the images of me are, are probably what take people aback when they see me for the first time because I have no arms. And for especially Canadians, uh, they, they may recall a drug called thalidomide, which deformed babies in the early 1960s when given to pregnant women for morning sickness. And I was one of the first Canadians born uh, with limb deficiencies because of that drug. And um, 
I'm going to be 55 years old this summer, so I was born in the summer of 60. But even more importantly, I learned to uh, to use my feet when I was growing up, and uh, that's usually the second thing that people notice. So it's always interesting watching the double take, the, the first look that people look at me, and of course nobody looks at me and smiles because they just think this must be horrible, and then they see me with a smile usually and, and something with my feet, and, and that changes the whole moment. But of course a lot of people wonder, how did I get over all of these challenges that would be theoretically uh, so difficult? And uh, they weren't easy to get over, but you know that's, that's kind of what I, I talk about in my messaging is the power of our mind and our attitude and how we can literally change, I think, the pathway of our truth by, by exerting the attitude we all have inside of us. And of course that's an easy thing for a speaker to say, but I had great teachers. So, so Alvin, the first time I saw you, I was actually walking to the parking lot of the school. That right, I think you, you must have just got out of a presentation uh-huh. and you dropped your keys uh-huh. and you picked them up with your feet. Yeah, and I, I didn't. I quite honestly, I didn't stare. I just looked, and I and you picked them up with your feet, and I just kept walking. I thought, well, how can you not look, man? I mean, you're, I, and it doesn't even bother me. It, in fact, I'm, I, it doesn't go to my ego. It did for a while, you know. When when I thought people are always saying, "Oh, you're so amazing," and for you know, a time in my twenties, I was always going, "Yeah, I know." Until I got a little bit older and a little more mature and gained a little wisdom and realized, you know, that that people are going to look. And you know what? I think that's the trouble is a lot of us, uh, you know, put so much emphasis on on how people react to our exterior, that we think if we're an unattractive person, for example, that nobody will look at us for, for, for who we are inside. And I just had to learn that right from the very beginning, that you know what, nobody's going to see the real Alvin right off the start. They're going to see what I've learned to do. But I, I love your honesty, because everybody wants to look. In fact, my wife's favorite line is, when we're both walking out to a car, uh, and people are watching us, say, from the window of a restaurant, and you know, almost everyone in the world is predicting that Darlene's going to get behind the steering wheel, but I usually do, because I like to drive. So that one blows people away the most, I have to admit because I drive a regular car too. I just steer with my right foot on the wheel and my left foot on the gas and I rent cars uh, you know, all over the world for my job too. So it's always interesting to watch the reaction. Yeah, that's something I wanted to uh, get into is because you know, when I saw you, you picked up your keys and then you... And you it's probably a remote control and I put it on the ground. I, I tend to carry my keys either in my teeth when I'm just walking a short distance or maybe they're connected to my briefcase. But I'll often put them on the ground and then just push the button to open the, the remote. Of course, but I started driving cars before they had remotes. So I've always had to have a way of manipulating the key, whether it's turning the, dot, the lock to get in or, or whatever. But I've always had a regular vehicle, so there's no special equipment at all. The things that you do in everyday life is quite similar to, would that be fair to say, quite similar to what everyone else does that has arms? Yeah, and, and, and that's really what it boils down to. You know, I used to joke back in the, in the early days, I like to call them, because we've come a long way with things like accessibility and understanding of people with challenge. But, you know, I've, I've always had to live in our regular world. The world was not ever designed or made for a guy without arms. So that was probably the greatest gift that my parents gave me was recognizing that the world is not being cruel by not adapting to me. I just have to realize that that's the way things are. You know, there's an expression that's a little overused, especially in sports. Uh, the expression, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't learn that growing up, but my parents taught me the equivalent of it before that became a cheesy expression. But it really was very much accepting the fact that I've got to adapt myself and I've got to learn to do these things. And, and yes, that's why whenever I encourage people through my messaging, I'm not saying, look at me, look at me, look what I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm the proof that you can too. So, Evan, when I was doing some research, I, I checked out some of your story of how you were brought up and your mother's personality 
perspective that was passed on to you. Can you share some of that? Yeah, and, and, and here's where things get for me. that this, this is personally the most important transition piece of my entire story. And this is not a reflection on my birth family at all, but I was also given away for adoption before I was a week old by my birth family in small town Saskatchewan, a little town called Yorkton. My, my birth family were... were great people. They were salt of the earth. They were, they were farmers, but they were very, very poor farmers. They didn't have a lot uh, at home. They had two small children. They had a very, very small farm that was, you know, there was no power, no running water. There was no access to health care that was anywhere close to where they lived. So when they first met me and saw that I had no arms and the doctors, you know, with, with the way things were back in those days, recommended that, you know, I be institutionalized because that's the way they thought to be the only humane place for me to live. Uh, they signed papers. They might have been naive. It might have been part of the time, but they gave me away. But my birth family uh, did an amazing thing in doing that gesture because I was taken into a foster home. And if you can think about what a foster home looks like when it's a good one, because we hear about these bad ones all the time, and I'm sure they exist, but there's thousands of foster homes that are changing kids' lives everywhere in the world. And my family was exactly that. They were life changers. That's what they did. They were really good at it. They, they, they raised their own family. They had an, an empty couple of bedrooms, and they took me in when I was a newborn. But it was not just the teaching me of my feet. It was the total acceptance of the fact that this is my life. But more than anything, I truly believe, because my mom was 55 and my dad was 53 when I was a newborn, they had aged wisdom. So a lot of people, you know, I hear this all the time. Uh, people, you know, turn 50 or they turn 60 and they say, well, you know, the best days are behind me. You know, I categorically disagree. I think we have to learn to accept that we age and, and try to be as graceful physically as possible. But more than anything, look at the things we've learned in our lives and the ability to not only embrace that, but to pass that on to others. And what my parents gave me was truly remarkable. And it was not just a sense of doing it for me either. That was the bottom line was they made me overcome my own challenges by giving me guidance, but not doing it for me. And that was the key. I love that how you say that because personally I don't and I say I talk about this in the other shows and I, and I often say we don't need to accept our our health to decline as we get older and I also believe age is a mindset so if we believe we're supposed to get old and <laughs> crotchety and <laughs> absolutely well you know and, and quite frankly I can understand how some people get that way uh, because you know we, we gain pain we, we, we it becomes difficult for us to, to struggle to, to feel good every day but again that's where the, the, the mindset becomes such a big part of it if we start giving in to the forces of aging uh, then there's just a downhill slope from there but look how many people we see out there you know going on cruises and going on hikes and exploring the world once they've got some freedom of their own and, and it's almost like a second life we've been given and I think it's a very important thing and you, you know to go along with all those little aches and pains we can have a lot of things that make us feel better too mm -hmm. so this is a foster home that raised you is yes that, is that, so were there other children as well uh, no I was actually uh, at first there was a few that lived there uh, mom and dad usually had two or three around the house but they were always very short term you know these would be stories that would be very sad you know even today uh, taken from homes where they were having their own issues maybe they were abused or maybe they uh, they were misbehaving and then mom and dad took older kids but when I came along I was literally uh, almost a charity case in one sense that I had nowhere to go you know really who was going to take in the baby without arms so that not only is it nobility that what my mom and dad did in taking me in but you know I'm going to say this because I really believe it I honestly believe it was destiny that I end up with this family and I might add this too and this isn't about me but a lot of people say look what um, uh, mom and dad did for me and I've had other people that they were their age saying look what I did for them my parents lived well into their, my dad died when he was 94, my mom died when she was 89, 
and they had really good quality lives all the way right until the end. And I believe that that's because, you know, when they were in their 70s, they had a teenager in the house. So imagine what that would be like. Maybe some of you out there listening have grandchildren that are that age and think how it makes you feel energized and positive. But even more importantly, just to think about what what we can still contribute to our society if we have something to make us get up every day. So your foster parents, your parents, what was their mindset when, when you were presented to them and say, you need to take care of this child without arms? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, they, they, they didn't really know what they were doing. I mean, I often joke that my mom couldn't exactly Google no arms. <laughs> but I think what my mom saw, you know, and this is what people also, like you saw, was that my feet, and I'm not the only one in the world. I mean, you know, now that we have the Internet, we see stories all the time of people that have developed abilities to use their feet. So it's not like it's a unique talent, but it was the mindset of not living life like a victim. And I hate to sound preachy about this, but that was probably the biggest part, was mom and dad realized this was going to be a long tough life and if I didn't learn some self you know some, some self awareness but even more importantly resiliency and resiliency doesn't come by the way if I can make a point that I live with every day resiliency doesn't come from having no problems in our life resiliency comes from learning how to get over the problems that everybody has and you know some people would look at me and say well you've got bigger problems because you've got no arms no I've got different problems because I have no arms but I still have the same issues that enter my life you know challenges with making a living and, and feeding the family and having a good job and worrying about the mortgage and taking care of, of you know, uh, the kids and the pets. And it, it, it's all a part of living life. And if I might add this, you know, whenever we look at our lives, we think, you know, boy, I, I wish I had what those people have. That's another thing that, you know, when you don't live a life where you're envying everything else, but you're counting blessings for what you have. And that's not a religious moment to say that. But, you know, when you don't have arms, you learn to take things less for granted. Does that make sense? Sure. Because you appreciate what you can do. So when you, when you look at what your abilities are, you focus on those rather than the things that you're missing. Alvin, talk more about living a normal lifestyle. Like you're you're married, you have children, you have pets, and and I, I would I would guess that maybe some people out there wouldn't understand that it's certainly possible with someone to have the I wouldn't say less ability, but you, you don't have arms, so. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I didn't see it that way when I was young. I saw myself, uh, because of the community that I lived in, I never, I never thought of myself as a, as a part from the rest of the world when I, when I was younger, uh, even though that would be tempting. But I think what's interesting is as, as we have gone through time, and in fact, what's, what, this is just fascinating to me, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm off uh, to, uh, it looks like Toronto in August, to, uh, to speak in an event uh, in conjunction with the, the Pan Am Games in Toronto. And I'm not sure if people are aware of this, but this is the first time that an Olympics uh, style of event where the Pan American Games are going to be integrating the regular athletes with the uh, so-called disabled athletes. So there's the para games that are a little bit afterwards, the regular games, because they have to alter the facilities a little bit. But for the first time, the, 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 the athletes are going to be sharing the, the, the place where, where everybody gathers. And, and to think of the integration of regular athletes with so-called disabled athletes, it was a matter of changing our awareness over time and seeing that people with disabilities have issues, yes, but they're still human beings. And we've heard that cliche for years and years and years, but I think society is coming around to understanding that if you're in a wheelchair, it doesn't make you less 
less capable as a human being. It's a mindset. So that's where my life was kind of going through all of these changes of society in the 80s and 90s and, and, and looking at how we've uh, really advanced our society. And even more importantly, Drew, look, look at the way that we're gaining uh, awareness and, and, and discussing things like, um, you know, equality, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage, uh, you know, all these things, transgender, all these things that make people uncomfortable are now conversations that we need to have so we can accept people for who they are and hopefully have a little better world because of it. Elvin, do you have any health issues? No, no. The only thing that is really tricky is the thalidomide affected uh, all of us. uh, There's about 94 alive in Canada today. uh, Also affected some of our internal organs. Uh, I don't know why that is, but the only thing that I ever worry about is is some some of those effects where you know you think about the heart, um, all the extra work that's going into using your feet and all of the other things that I have to do, all of the straining that I do with my back. Uh, But no, I, I I try to take care of myself as much as I possibly can. You know, and, and as your as your website talks about, you know, trying to live a healthy lifestyle, trying to to be careful about, you know, uh, what I eat. And and my wife is very very good at watching our diet. We we hardly eat any, uh, you know, big meals like you typically would see if you're going out where you got a you know 16 ounce steak and a five ounce baked potato and pasta and all that. And, and, and you know, not to not to suggest that I know anything about this. You're the expert on nutrition. But really, at the end of the day, we have to be very careful. As they say, everything we put into our body, we have to be very cautious because it's the only body we have. And I've had to really take care of mine, as you can well imagine why. I saw you. You, I think you were sitting there. I'm not sure if you were playing the drums or the what was the other instrument. I played the piano as well. Yeah, it was a piano. You're sitting there playing the piano, and you were sitting in a V position. Now this is a very difficult position to sit in for an extended period of time. So I was one. I said you, you must have a very strong core. That's why I want uh, to know. I, I wondered if you were going to ask that question. I have a remarkably strong core. In fact, what's really funny is if you look at me in, say, a bathing suit. You, you see that I've got a typical, you know, a middle-aged man gut. Although, but mine doesn't wiggle. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to those that are out there that do. But, but really, mine is, is as solid as a rock. And it comes from doing exactly what you're saying. Whenever I sit to do anything, whether it's play the instruments, and it is an inverted V, uh, or it is not an inverted V, it's a, it's a regular V, but I'm sticking my legs out, sitting on a stool. And there's pictures of this on my website. But basically just using no support for my back. And that's how I started playing the drums when I was a kid, because that was the only way that I could play, you know, sitting on a stool and using my feet. But I recognized that I was already gaining incredible core strength, period. But what I think that relates to is also a physicality connected to your mindset, isn't it? Because when you've got a strong core, it's like your body is never letting you down, and it, and it gives you confidence in yourself and abilities to try things. Now, I would never try extreme sports. In fact, I used to ski, but my wife made me stop because of concern. I mean, it sounds funny, but if I mess up my legs, my, my work uh, suffers, and, then, and, and you know, I can't get around like I do typically on my own traveling as a speaker. But I, I, I never, ever shied away from trying things. You know, I've driven a skidoo. I've, I've been on a horse. I've, uh, I've parasailed. I've done all these things that, you know, people would look at and go, really? Yeah, because my mind says, what's, what's the point of living if you can't take a, a flyer on some of these things to give you that big smile on your face going, I did that, I did that. And that's, that's part of what I think developing your core strength, but also your core beliefs. I think our, the main thing that really limits us is our mindset. Clearly, you don't have that. <laughs> Do you know where that came from? I, I really honestly believe that it came from a very simple process that I didn't have a definition for, but it was learning at a very early age that failure is a necessary component to success. I mean, that's another cliche, but the reality is when you have to learn to do things with your feet, you have to learn to fail several times. So when you learn that failure is not personal, 
that it's a reflection of your attempt to be able to be successful, then anything that comes into your life, it all becomes, you know, uh, a relative term. Uh, so, so you're getting older and you maybe go through a divorce like I did when I was in my, in my 20s. And, and it was a, not a, a good divorce, but it was not an unhappy divorce, if I can say that, that it produced my first child and my only child who's going to be 30 in August. His name is Vance. But that's a time when you're sitting back and your, your life has, has altered and you're thinking, how am I going to get over this? Or maybe you lose a loved one or, you know, or, or even just losing a pet. We, we had, a, we had a, a beloved border collie that was 11 uh, pass away to cancer in, in April. And, you know, you're just so sad and you think, how am I going to get over this? But all you do is look backwards at your life and say, well, I've gotten over every single thing in my life so far. What's to stop me from getting over this? So even though life events come and take the wind out of you, you know that you can get back up and, and, and sail away from that problem, to use a bit of a metaphor, because it's really important to understand that, that nobody is immune from things that enter our lives that make us depressed or make us down. But here's the more important thing. I think if we really are careful about what, again, back to your nutrition, how we take care of ourselves, because I believe that our mindset can contribute greatly to our, our health. And I, I really believe that uh, to this day. I think, you know, the amount of time that we spend worrying about what we uh, look like, you know, uh, what we're driving, where we're living, what our clothes are, is, is really, is that really important? I think we need to worry about the really important things, and that is the quality of our lives. Given the show's title and, and what I talk about, exploring mind and body, I always believe the body follows the mind. But I want to ask you about depression and, and your mindset. And if you ever feel depressed still to this day, if you look at yourself or, and then just talk about society a little bit and our mindset around seeing the positive out of difficult situations. Well, first of all, I, I, I don't want to sound old here, but I, I agree with you completely that we have entered into a phase of our societal growth where we seem to have a, had a little bit of a glitch. We think we would be getting better, but in fact, depression rates are going up. But I also think that the, what's going on, if, if we can analyze the statistics, not to get technical here, I'm not so sure that depression rates are going up. I think the reporting of them is going up because we're now starting to have the dialogue surrounding mental health. So we're realizing that it's not embarrassing to go through a mental health struggle. Mental health, uh, depression is a physical element. It's, it's not just being bummed out or being, you know, uh, the, having the blues. It's a physical ailment. And when my mom died in 1996, uh, I, I felt really a big hit then. And I went into a serious, actual, literal depression. So I thought I was just sad because my mom died, and that would be a natural thing. And I was going through the grieving process. But my wife noticed that I was actually, uh, I, I had issues. I, I was not recovering as I should. So when I went to my, uh, my doctor and talked about it, um, he refused to give me any kind of uh, prescription medicine. He just refused. There was no way that I was going to get on some kind of antidepressant. And here's the problem. And, I, and I, I'm not a doctor, okay, and I'm not an expert on this, but all I know is that if you're taking something that is manufactured to, to get away the, take away your symptoms of, of depression, it can't be good for you. Anything that masks the symptoms, symptoms tell us that we have to worry about ourselves in a different way. So if we're going through a depression, we need to figure out a way to pick up the positive energy in our lives, with, whether it's through endorphins or whether it's through exercise or whether it's through anything, but more than anything to recognize that it's a cycle we go through when we're rebounding from something that takes the wind out of our sales. And I never did take any kind of prescription medicine. I think I was on St. John's Ward and I was watching again my diet. I was getting out and doing a little bit more exercise, but I was also doing things that were able to make me feel better. And that was spending time with friends who loved me, spending a lot of time with my wife and our pets and my child. And just reminding myself that, yes, I lost my mom, but I had my mom. And because I had my mom. And when we can reset 
our mindset, no matter. And, and again, I, I don't, I don't claim to understand what it must be like for somebody to, to lose somebody close to them in their life. I just know how it felt for me. And even when we lost our dog in April, man, I went through a depression, but I knew what it was that was coming and I knew that I had to get with it. But more than anything, I recognized that losing something, it's a, it's a very important growth phase that we go through too, that we're supposed to have these feelings that we're supposed to, I mean, my God, if we lose somebody and we don't feel anything, what's that? So I believe that mental health is a topic we need to talk about, but more than anything, here's the bottom line. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Mm-hmm. So if we find ourselves in a tough spot and we think it's embarrassing to go to anybody, even even a, a family member or, or a very close friend, we should be able to talk about that and get it out of our system. But more than anything, take away the stigma that when we've got a mental health issue, there's nothing wrong with that and there's especially nothing wrong with asking for help. Exploring mind and body with True Form's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help from the following sponsors. AG Foods in Didsbury, Health Street in the Cornerstone Shopping Center Olds, and Shoppers Drug Mart, working together to help build a healthier tomorrow. For more information on True Form Life, Drew Tadia, or to find out how you can become a sponsor, visit exploringmindandbody.com. This would be our last segment. Do you stretch because you're you're so flexible with your legs, or is that just normal to you, natural to you? That's not a silly question at all. No, I don't stretch. Uh, I don't do any exercises. But my wife likes to joke that in the course of a given day, if you can picture this in your mind, I'm sitting here in my living room on a couch, but I'm drinking a coffee. I'm not drinking while I'm talking to you, but with my my cup between my first and second toe, and I reach up with my foot. I use my left leg as a balance to be able to lift it to my face and have a drink. I probably do a thousand crunches a day. <laughs> you know, just think of all those things, sit-ups, everything that I'm doing. So I'm always constantly, you know, keeping my body uh, not only flexible, but, you know, here's another one. I'm very, very unusual in the fact that a lot of the thalidomiders in Canada, because of how we use our bodies, have developed serious back problems. I mean, knock on wood, man, I've never had a back problem in my life, and I know how lucky I am. Uh, but I, I realize, too, that I think it's because I'm always in touch with my body. I'm very aware of my personal presence and my space, Vienna. I have to know where my balance points are. And to know when I'm standing on one foot and reaching up to open a door, you know, that, that's a balance point to make sure that I'm not falling over. I've never, ever hurt myself. I've, uh, I've actually broken a little toe, but that's about the only injury that I've ever had in my life. So, again, constantly being aware of your space and how your body operates. But more than anything, and this is where I'm going to get a little preachy, I think a lot of people take their bodies for granted. You know, we see people that are suffering from obesity or suffering from lack of proper health care in their own lives because they're just not taking care of themselves. And again, it's not being preachy. It's just saying, really, you know, you need to appreciate what you've been given more. And, and if that sounds coming across as, as a guilt thing, fine. Whatever it takes to make people understand we get one life and what we do with it is everything. Just my last question here before I want to give you a chance to share with our audience where they can find you at. But what's the most powerful message you could share with us in, in a short amount of time? I would say the most important important uh, lesson that I can leave with every audience that I speak to is look at what I can do and see what I've overcome and recognize that the human resiliency is amazing and we just don't give ourselves enough credit for what we can get over. And I think more than anything, and this maybe goes back to your question about mental health, uh, we need to recognize that doing things for our kids so because we don't want them to feel pain is misguided. We need to struggle through certain things to learn what we've gone through and to learn that we can get through those things every single day, that life is long and everybody has a struggle. But more than anything, our attitude can indeed make a huge difference because it's all about energy, man. 
man. It's all about our personal energy. The more that we have a positive energy flow every single day, then we're giving our body the opportunity to get through yet another one and be feeling extremely fortunate. Living attitude of gratitude. You know, I met Zig Ziglar a long time ago in Atlanta. I had a nice chat with him, and he's the one who said attitude of gratitude. That's the bottom line. Live every day with an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> That's awesome. Zig Ziglar is the first kind of him and Anthony Robbins. They were the first ones that I've landed on YouTube when I felt like I needed to change my life. So that's pretty You know, cool. why is that, man? Because you see, I got to think that, you know, and I will tell you, when I met Zig Ziglar, it was a, it was a huge moment because he was famous and he's a speaker and I'm a speaker and I was at a speaker's convention in Atlanta. But the guy talked to me for 45 minutes. He bought me a coffee and I sat across the table from him. He was 10 feet away and just, you know, had a conversation. He was so genuine. And when you, when you're around this man, let's keep in mind, Zig Ziglar has arms. So it's not about having no arms. It's about the genuine nature of when you finally figured out the secret to life. And when you can live that energy every single day, you give that out to people around you, it can make your life different. I'm telling you, man, everywhere I go in my life, uh, I'm, I'm able to have an effect on people by my authentic energy. You know, I'm not just amazing. I'm the real. And I think that's the most important thing. Zig was real, and I'm proud to be real, too. Where can we find more information about you? What are you doing if our, if our audience wants to get more information from you? Well, that's a real easy one. It's just alvinlaw.com. I've got a lovely website. Uh, I do have a book called Alvin's Laws of Life, and that's only available at alvinlaw.com. We don't have it available on any of the sites like Amazon. And uh, obviously, uh, if you're looking for a speaker, it's just the same place, alvinlaw.com. And don't be afraid if you're looking up my website and you have any questions, uh, there is a contact page on there. You can get a hold of me and uh, even ask me any questions that you'd like because I'm always open to answering questions. It's, it's my pleasure to be able to share what I've learned with the world and including with vehicles like yours, Drew. It's really nice of you to do this, by the way, not only with me, but you know, you're, you're also doing something that is extremely important, and that's putting out a positive uh, part of society that, that we all need more of because there's enough negativity out there, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly is. Thanks, Alvin. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish I had, I feel like I could interview, interview you for hours, um, but thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your, your story with us. Uh, it really means a lot. It's my pleasure, man. And to everybody out there, hey, smile. Life's awesome. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I, I just want to say a special thank you to Elvin for coming on the show. What a great guy. He really is. He's a, he's a regular person. He's down to earth. And he's a world-renowned speaker. He goes all over the place. He's going to Toronto. I think that's super cool. And just to give us some time, well, you know what we didn't talk about on air is how he started in radio. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Elvin has such a powerful story and his mindset is something that should be shared with everyone. So I really hope you enjoyed that show. I hope you got a chance to listen to the whole thing and go to Alvin's website, alvinlaw.com. He's got all, he has, he has a new website. He's all got all kinds of videos. And I found myself watching every single one just because he's so, he's such a great speaker. You want to hear, continue to listen to what he has to say. So you heard a little bit about that on the interview, but check him out. He's got a book as well. And I'll post that as well. He's going to send one to me. I can't wait to get it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing the show and everything you're doing to help us progress and move forward and reach a larger audience. Thanks to Jameson Brown for edits. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. 
Exploring mind and body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one-yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.